we apologize for the quality of this week's recording. We're awaiting sound and video equipment that we've purchased, but it's delayed. Thank you for your patience and understanding. Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Uh, a recent Harvard study uh, did uh, heart of, of adult development. They did a study and they found the answer. They, it agreed with what ancient philosophers said and what contemporary scientists, social scientists, agree that if you have to choose one factor of life as the secret to happiness, it's warm, intimate, enduring personal bonds. That's the secret to happiness. So tell me the name or relationship of someone uh, with whom you have had or have a close relationship, real quickly. I already said two, Denise and Lauren. So tell me somebody. Parents. Pardon? Parents. Parents. Spouse. Grandmother. My daughter. Your grandmother. Your daughter. Grandchildren. Grandchildren. Grandfather. Yeah. See, we have the opportunity to have close relationships. And none of you said my pastor. <laughs> but, but we have the opportunity to have close relationships with people that really mean a lot to us as we're growing and as we're maturing. And the older you get, those close relationships mean more and more. So we've been doing a series about heaven titled, What Are You Thinking About Heaven? What are you thinking about heaven? And if we're honest, we have a hard time appreciating heaven, don't we? I mean, it seems far removed from where we are on a daily basis. And part of it seems beyond our comprehension. Something that we wonder, could it really be that good? Uh, well, if you try and explain physics to a kindergartner, normal kindergartner, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand it. Uh, but does that make physics less real and less important in their lives? No, it does not. And so, uh, so it is with heaven. At this moment, it seems beyond our capacity to comprehend. And you know what? It is a little beyond our capacity to comprehend. But the good news is, it's still real. This series is designed to help you make sense of what the Bible teaches about your future home. Now, it's limited to those who have trusted Christ as Savior, that it will be your future home. If you have not trusted Christ as Savior, it will not be your future home. Your future home will be in hell until hell itself is cast into the lake of fire. So I hope you trust Christ. If you haven't yet, I hope you do it today. It could be your spiritual birthday. But we've looked in this series, first of all, on January 7th, 22nd, we said heaven is a real place, a real place. And uh, on the 29th, heaven is restricted. It's for believers only. And then last week, we looked at heaven is a place of spectacular beauty. 
a place of spectacular beauty. And so each of those messages are still available online uh, through our Facebook page. They're available. Uh, you can click on a link from that from our website. You can also, from our website, get the audio version, or you can sign up for the podcast, or you get the audio version from Apple Podcasts. Those are available. If you want to listen again or you want to pass it along to encourage a friend. But today, what happens in two days? Yes, it's the greeting card day of the year. They invented Valentine's Day. Uh, and they, it was, I think it was a joint effort between the card companies and the flower companies. They said, what can we do to really make money? So they created Valentine's Day. Um, but it seemed appropriate to focus on this next, next aspect of heaven. And that is, heaven is a place of extraordinary relationships. Extraordinary relationships. And so we're going to go from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 21. Not. Okay, we're going to go one to the other, but not everything in between. We're going to look at a lot of different scriptures today. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at some things about our relationship with God from the very beginning, and then we're going to look at Genesis 3, and then we're going to jump to Revelation 21, and then we're going to look at some other passages of Scripture. And I encourage you to look. Look in your Bible. If, if you don't have one of these Bibles, then hopefully you have one of these Bibles, and you can click on, and you can see it on your phone, or click because it's important to see this is God's truth and God's revelation. Because when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, man, did you follow what Terry said? But you will be judged by what God said. That will be the standard by which our lives are judged. So in Genesis chapter 1, begin with me in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. And that man refers to mankind, not just males. Let mankind, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So men and women were created in the image of God. A special and dynamic relationship that no other life form in the history of the world has enjoyed. He didn't create dinosaurs in his image. He didn't create monkeys in his image. He didn't even create angels in his image. He created mankind in his image. And when male and female work together and serve God together, then we are reflecting the very image of God. In fact, when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, a good and godly marriage reflects the Godhead. You see, the way God the Father and God the Son and the Spirit work together in the way we have our marriage. You see the union of Jesus Christ and his church and in the way a good and godly marriage is. Now, there, not every marriage is good and godly and not every good and godly marriage is good and godly 100% of the time. But when it is good and godly, then it can reflect what God said about himself and his relationship with the church. Now, jump over to chapter 3. We're going to see something else about God's relationship. 
eaten with mankind. He did not just create us to exist in his likeness. He created us to fellowship with us. He had a desire. Now, if somebody tells you God needed us, that's not true. Theologically, God is called intrinsically self-sufficient. He needs nothing. He is complete in and of himself. He didn't create us because he needed us. He created us because he wanted us. So in Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant for the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Just picture that scene. God himself is there to walk with them, to be with them, to enjoy time with them, to fellowship with them. That was his desire. That was his delight. That's why he created mankind. He created the angels to serve him. He created mankind to be with him. And so uh, we have a different relationship. And God's plan is going to be restored. If you look in Revelation 21, we were not only created in his image, and we were not only enjoying regular fellowship with him, as uh, we see in Genesis, but uh, we're now in heaven, in the new earth, we're going to enjoy a continual connection and fellowship with him. See, you will have a very close and very personal relationship with God. Very close and very personal. Closer than anything you've had on earth. Closer than any relationship you've had on earth. Uh, chapter 21 of Revelation. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. We talked about that last week. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, sorry, he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He will Amen. make all things new. And so we will have a close and personal relationship with God. Very close and very personal. Right now, we know God because we read about it in Scripture. 
We know God because we study the life of Jesus Christ and Jesus revealed what God the Father is like. We know God because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside us. But in that day, we will know God in his presence. He will be with us and among us and we will see him. Like right now, theologically, biblically, God is with us. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. God is with us right now. You don't see God. But there you will see God. You will see him. You will experience him. You will be close to him. And even more important, he will be close to you. Now, one of the things you know when you have five kids is that your measure of your love doesn't run out with child number three. You feel a fullness of love for all your kids when you have one or two or three. But when you have four, you're done, right? No! I hope Courtney's not watching this one right now. Uh, but, but your love expands. I mean, Kathy and I thought we had the fullness of love when it was just the two of us. But then we had Jessica and our love expanded. And then we had the others and our love expanded. And now we have grandkids and our love has expanded. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop with just family. It doesn't stop with friends. You have more love. The more love you give, the more love you have to give. And God is love. And God will have love enough for everybody. And he can love everybody and think about everybody all at the same time. Amen. You don't have that capacity. I don't have that capacity. God alone has that capacity. And we will all enjoy it. We will have a very close and very personal relationship with God. I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians. And the second thing is we will be celebrating with those we have influenced for Christ. We'll be celebrating with those we have influenced for Christ. Now, even though Lori's quite a bit younger than I am, um, she got saved before I did. And I remember the night she got saved because I was home watching her when mom and dad were out. And uh, she came to me and she said, Dad said when he got home, he was going to show me how to be saved, and I'm afraid to go to sleep. And so I don't want to go to sleep and die in my sleep and not get to heaven. And so can you show me? And I'm like, uh, uh, why don't you stay up and wait for Dad? So Dad comes home later than he planned, and he's like, why didn't you put her to bed? Well, she wanted you to show her how to be saved. And he said, well, why didn't you tell her? And I said, well, she wanted you to. Uh, I didn't know. I wasn't saved. A couple months after that, I got saved at youth camp, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. Uh, but you're going to have people that you have influenced for Christ. So I had nothing to do with Lori getting saved or Denise getting saved. I don't even remember. How, how old were you when you got saved? She was four also. Uh, Denise got saved when she was four. I wasn't around when Denise got saved. Well, I was, but you know, I was still cute. That's how long ago I was. And, and I had nothing to do with Lori getting saved. If anything, I was not a good example to her before she got saved. But you're going to have some people that your life has influenced for them to trust Christ. You're going to have some people who've grown in Christ because they knew you. They've matured in their faith. And you're going to be able to celebrate that with God in heaven. Paul talks about that in uh, 
the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, and verse 17, he says, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring more eagerly to see your face with great desire, therefore we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is not, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. You'll be celebrating with people that you trusted, uh, that you influenced for Christ, and they trusted him. I can't remember the name, Denise, your friend from Shola who was in the VA hospital, and I went and witnessed to him. And, Oliver, that's right. Uh, Oliver, the first time I went to witness to Oliver, Denise called me on the phone and asked me if I could because the VA hospital was way closer uh, for me. And so I went and I witnessed him. He did not get saved. But the guy in the bed next to him heard my explanation of how to get saved, heard about the grace and goodness of God, and he wanted to trust Christ. And he trusted Christ. I don't even remember his name. I don't even remember what he looks like. But in heaven, we're going to see each other again. And there'll be a joy there because he'll be glad that I went to the hospital to visit Oliver and he got saved. Praise the Lord. A couple months later, Oliver was in the same hospital and he got saved. So we're going to rejoice with these people. We're going to ha have great joy. Those of you who've served in Awana and you've led a kid to Christ, uh, you're going to rejoice together for eternity. Those of you who taught Bible classes and people got saved, uh, that co-worker that you prayed for or witnessed to, uh, they never seemed to listen, but they did listen. And eventually they trusted Christ. And you maybe never even found out about it. Your kids and your grandkids, the kids and adults in your Bible class or a lot of group, people from around the world who have heard the gospel because you've supported the missionaries that we have on our mission board back there, they're going to be grateful and you're going to celebrate together in heaven. We will be celebrating with those we've influenced for Christ. I don't know if we'll do the, you know, the football thing where we run and jump and chest bump. I don't know if we'll be high-fiving. I don't know what we'll be doing. But I do know this. We'll be celebrating with great joy because God is at work in us and through us. Now mark your spot here because we're going to come back to Thessalonians in a little bit. And then turn over to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Here, here's a third thing. We will be recognizing and rejoicing with believers we have never met. Recognizing and rejoicing with believers we have never met. Now, I picked this picture on purpose because she just looks like, wow, I can almost see. She just sees somebody that she really wanted to see, and there they are, and she's wildly excited about it. Look at Matthew 17, beginning in verse 1. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to the Lord, to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, 
let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, just stop and think for a minute. When was Moses? Moses was uh, way back when the Israelites came out of Egypt. More than a thousand years later, Moses is standing on this mountain talking to Jesus. By the way, if somebody ever asks you, did Moses get to go into the promised land? You'll probably think no, because he didn't during his life on earth, but on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was in the promised land. So you can freak him out and say yes, and they'll say no, and you'll say ha, gotcha, okay? So, uh, but how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? I mean, did they have a robe, you know? Like, like uh, somebody's wearing a Kansas City shirt here today. And, and I'll tell you what, that's allowed when they're not playing the Cardinals. I'm all for that. But when they're playing the Cardinals and he wears it, that bothers me a little bit. But listen, it, we're going to recognize people we've never seen before. I don't know about you, but I see people and they look like people I know. When I think, do I know them? You, you look really familiar. You know, and if it's a lady, I'm not going to be that creepy guy that comes up and says, hey, you look like somebody I know. You know, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to do that. But, but I think it. I think she looks like somebody I should know. But in heaven, you're going to know them. You're going to be able to see them. Peter, James, and John saw these guys and they said, Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah, not Jesus is talking to two other dudes. They knew who they were. And so you're going to, Moses looked and acted like Moses and Elijah looked and acted like Elijah. And in heaven, I believe we're going to have absolute connectedness without losing our individual distinctiveness. And we're going to recognize people for who they were on the earth, even though we weren't around. Maybe you're going to see some short guy running by, and you're going to think and recognize, oh, that's Zacchaeus. Hey, Zacchaeus, how tall was that sycamore tree? Well, you know, you're going to be able to ask these important questions. You're, you're going to walk around the corner, and maybe there's going to be John Wycliffe or Amy Carmichael uh, walking down the streets of heaven. Or maybe you're going to stop in at a cafe, and sitting at the table, there's Paul talking with Lydia, and the two of them are talking to Silas and Timothy, and they're talking about the old days of their ministry on earth. And you're going to be able to walk in to the cafe on the new earth and you're going to see them and talk with them and fellowship with them. In Exodus 31, God said that he gave Basilel and Aholiab special artistic skills and they could do things like working with gold, silver, and bronze. They knew how to cut precious stones and jewels. Uh, they could carve wood as well as weaving as well as weaving tapestries and making gold thread. And don't you think they'll be doing some masterful works in heaven? And maybe you'll be walking along and, and you'll just know Bozalem did that one. I can tell. And someday you're going to be able to put your name to all those unnamed people in the Bible. That unnamed servant girl who told Naaman 
how to go and uh, have the prophet of God heal him of his leprosy. Or the unnamed prophet of God in 1 Kings 13, who started out well and ended up eaten by a lion. And you'll be able to see those things and know them and know their names and talk with them. And you'll get to ask Eve what it was like talking to a snake. You get to ask Balaam if the voice of the donkey sounded like Eddie Murphy when he did the donkey and Shrek, or did it sound like something else. You'll be able to find out all these wonderful things. But, but we will be recognizing and rejoicing with believers we never met on earth. And, and it will be great joy. Fourth, you will have a different but a close relationship with your spouse and family. So Matthew 22, Matthew 22, turn there. By the way, I really hope the donkey that talked to Balaam didn't sound like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you learn strange things in church, don't you? <laughs> All right, Matthew 22, look down at verse 29. Uh, but, but before you start reading verse 29, listen as I lay it out. The Sadducees gave Jesus a hypothetical situation. What if a woman married a guy and he died, and in their culture, then the next brother would marry the, the widow, and then the next brother, and there were seven brothers, and each of them married the widow, and then uh, they all died, and then the widow herself died, and the Sadducees said, whose will she be, whose wife will she be in the kingdom? Now, some of you have been married twice to wonderful believers. One died, and then you married another wonderful believer. Some of you have been married twice because your first marriage was a disaster, and, and then you had the opportunity to marry someone else. Some of you have been married multiple times because you've had spouses die or cheat on you or abandon you or think, but in heaven, it's not going to matter. My dad was married to two Christian women. My mom, and then a year after mom died, he married another lady named Kathy. And uh, Kathy was a Christian who served in the same church with my mom and dad. She was a close friend of my mom's. And, and uh, so in heaven, who's going to be my dad's wife? Which of them? Because both women were uh, married to my dad. And his dad's second wife was married to another believer. So in heaven, they'll all be there. Well, Jesus kind of explains it to us. In verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So pause right there and think about that for a minute. In heaven, we're not going to be married. So Kathy and I have been married for 42 years on earth. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be married. See, in heaven, the marriage that counts is the marriage of the bride of Christ Amen. to Christ. That's the marriage we'll celebrate in heaven. So no matter how bad your marriage was on earth, you'll be friends in heaven and on the new earth. You'll get along just fine. All the differences will be gone. And no matter how great your marriage was on earth, your relationship will be spiritually and emotionally closer in heaven and on the new earth. 
You right now on earth, you and your spouse have the capacity to drive each other nuts on a regular basis, sometimes daily, sometimes more often than that. And you have that capacity here on the earth. In heaven, you won't have that capacity. They won't drive you nuts at all, ever. So, um, in heaven, you will not be at all self-centered or impatient or lack understanding. Every now and then, Kathy and I look at each other like, what planet did you come from? You know, what gave you that idea? How could, what, what were you thinking? Or what are you thinking? We, we cannot understand each other without a process of seeking to come to resolution. But in heaven, I think we'll understand each other just fine all the time. Now, some of you will meet grandparents in heaven that you never knew on the earth. Kathy's dad led his father-in-law to Christ, and he died before Kathy was ever born. Right? Or before you were two, when you were two. So Kathy doesn't have any memory of her grandpa. But he's in heaven because he trusted Christ. And so they'll get to have a relationship together. And if the Lord tarries, the Lord doesn't call us up to be with him, and you live a long time, uh, you might have uh, great, 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 great grandkids who, can, uh, who were influenced for Christ because you influenced your kids and your grandkids for Christ, and they kept it going down to the lineage, and now your great, 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 great grandchildren are following Christ, and you'll get to find that out in heaven. That'll be awesome. I think we're going to laugh a lot more on the new earth than we do on this earth, because our hearts will be filled with joy and rejoicing, and there will not be heartaches and tragedies or crises of any kind. You will have a different but close relationship with your spouse and family. Now, there's one other thing that we should mention. And I apologize if this picture stirs up too much memories for you, but we will be able to enjoy life with friends who are already with the Lord. Amen. The picture is a cemetery and then a sunrise on the other side of the cemetery. And uh, I could name hundreds of people who have been a part of my life that are already with the Lord. And oh, it'll be great to see them again. I told you we'd be going back to Thessalonians. We'll take your Bibles and, and turn there with me to First uh, Thessalonians. Only this time we're going to go not to chapter 2, but to chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Now this passage explains the great catching away of believers when God calls believers en masse to come and join him in the sky. That event is called the rapture. You're never going to see the word rapture occur in the Bible. But this passage of scripture describes the event. I was talking before church with Mark and Ethel and Mark's, and Mark's mom, Thelma, has been over in the Philippines for a while. She's planning to come home next month. Yay! We just seeing her. That would be fun to see her again. Uh, but if the rapture were to happen today, she'd be there with us. We'd be instantly in the clouds together. Look at what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, 
When I was a kid, our pastor used to always say, the largest church in the world is the church of the ignorant brethren. <laughs> now, Paul said, don't stay ignorant, okay? Learn something here. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's their method of talking about death. Because the body would separate from the soul and spirit, and the body in death looks kind of like it went to sleep. So that's how they describe it. So in your brain, in our day, we would say those who died. In their day, they said those who fell asleep. So he says, uh, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. It's a sorrow when you lose people you love. And the closer you are to them, the deeper the sorrow that you have. We have grief over those we've lost. And that's normal. And that's appropriate. If you can lose somebody and not feel any grief, maybe you didn't really love them very much. So then he says, don't sorrow like others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Amen. Amen, we do. We believe that. Then he says, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have died, their soul and spirit are going to be with the Lord. Paul describes that in his letter to the church of Cor in Corinth, and their soul and spirit would be with the Lord, and their body died here on earth. Then he says, in verse 15, For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, this is a revelation from God, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. It means those who have already died, and then we get called up to be with the Lord, we're not going to get there first. Those who've already died are going to be there first with the Lord. And then he says in verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Hey, please look. Look at how he describes the relationship we'll have with other people, okay? Um, uh, look at what he describes. In verse 13, he says, those who have fallen asleep. Then in verse 14, uh, those who sleep in Jesus, he will bring them with him. Then in verse 15, we will not precede those who are alive will not precede those who are asleep. In verse 16, he says, their bodies will rise first. Their body, uh, if it was all in one piece and one casket, or if it was scattered, their body will rise and be glorified, and they'll be united with their glorified body. And then uh, he says in verse 17, and then we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So at that exact moment, when the trumpet sounds, if we're still alive, uh, you're gonna, bam, you're gonna be here and there in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, the scripture says. You're gonna be here and then you're gonna be there. You're gonna be walking along, you're gonna be sitting, you're gonna be ready to take a bite of a burger and the burger will fall on the plate. You'll be gone and you'll be with the Lord instantly and we'll be together with them. And you know what? We're going to recognize them. We're going to see them. We're going to have a massive group hug with Jesus up in the clouds. And we're going to be together 
with him forever. In every verse and every phrase, Paul talks about our knowing them. The people who read this, including us today, we can put faces and names to some of those people that we know we're going to see in that day. We will be able to enjoy life with friends that are already with the Lord. And it will be a closer relationship than we had on earth. Because all the impurities and all the difficulties and all the self-centeredness, it will all be gone. And we will have a close and perfect relationship. And we started out looking at this slide that uh, the secret of happiness is relationships. Warm, intimate, enduring, personal bonds. Well, the happiest place on earth is the new earth. When, when we are in, in heaven, we're going to have extraordinary relationships. We'll be closer than ever we were on earth. In the heaven and on the new earth, you will have the most warm, the most intimate, the most enduring personal bonds that you've ever had, that you've ever had on this earth. Far deeper, more connected than anything you've ever experienced in your life. Why? Because we believe what God's Word says. He will make it happen. And we will rejoice in Him. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.